All right. Well, let's just jump right to it. If you have your Bible with you this morning, we are in the book of James. We're in chapter 1. We're picking up where we left off from last week, looking at verses 17 and 18, all of two verses this morning. Again, again, James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. I entitled our message, God's Good and Perfect Gifts. God's Good and Perfect Gifts. All right, if you are there with me in James chapter 1, I'm going to invite you to stand, please, as, we, as I read aloud. You can follow along in your Bible. James says, For every good... And every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. All right, we're going to pause right there, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the morning. As mentioned earlier, just grateful for the rain, but also, Lord, for the little breaks of rain that we've had. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be just prepared soil, that the, uh, the seed of your word would find a good place to grow roots deep, Lord, to grow in our hearts that we then might bear fruit, Lord. God, we thank you for your spirit that leads and guides us into truth as we pray so often. We ask that we would just yield ourselves to you and all that you desire to say. And Lord, we pray not only just for us, but we pray for all the other churches and chapels and fellowships here in Okinawa and Japan, that your, that your spirit would just move mightily. Lord, we pray for the team in Ishinomaki this morning as they uh, get to serve and minister and be an encouragement to Pastor Rich there and the, the ministry there in Ishinomaki. We pray for Jason as he's going to be sharing and Mal as she translates. Lord, bless them, bless the team. Father, our, our prayers and hearts also go outside of these four walls to just those families and friends and the fellow Marines and community as we heard of just the, the tragic crash of the, the offspring recently. Father, be with them and comfort their families. And Lord, we just pray that the hope of Jesus Christ would, Lord, just shine in, in a dark time. God, we thank you for all that you are doing. Lord, as we'll study this morning, we thank you for every good gift that you bring into our lives. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, would you take a moment and say hello to someone, and then you may have a seat. Okay. You guys good? Can I can go? Should we just wait and watch you? <laughs> All right, I'm going to go. Well, for this morning, I, uh, I wrote that. I, I think that you can divide people 
in various ways. And one of the ways you can divide people in terms of these categories is there are those who are really good at gift giving. And maybe you find yourself in that category. You think uh, you're a good gift giver. And then there's the rest of us, which I'm in this category. Uh, we're not so good. And for those of us who are not so good, I thank God for gift cards and I thank God for cash. Does anybody here consider themselves a good gift giver? You're, you're okay to humble brag and nobody? We're all in the same? You're all, <laughs> all right. I saw two hands. All right. We're going to become your friends then. There. I, I, I wish I knew the secret or the knack of it. I, I, I've confessed I've tried. I, I really wanted to be a good gift giver, but I have failed horribly. In fact, one year uh, I gave my son Nehemiah, who uh, was leading this morning in worship, uh, when he was younger, I gave him the exact same gift that I'd given him the year before. And, and I have it on film where I'm all excited, and I'm watching him open it, and he opens, and he's like, again? <laughs> I got this last year. I'm like, oh, oh, so sorry. And then uh, on top of that, I gave my mom the exact same gift I had given her the year before, too. So, oh, man, that Christmas was terrible. I'm the worst. I'm the, I just... The, the thing I took away, though, is at least I'm consistent. It's the exact same thing I'd gotten them. Well, I'm super thankful, then, for those lists that uh, usually come out around the holidays that help give us some ideas. I found a few suggestions for Father's Day, and I, I'll share them with you. I'm not endorsing these things. I just thought they were interesting, uh, uh, for me at least. So uh, the first, I have ten of them. The first is uh, this mug. I don't know if that translates into Japanese, but I uh, thought that was kind of a fun little gift. The second one is, apparently there's these companies where you can uh, make a, a custom bobblehead. So you send in a picture of yourself or uh, you know, your loved one, and they will make you into a bobblehead, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, the third one is for any uh, Star Wars fans, uh, Star Wars uh, dad you know, out there. So I thought that was pretty cool. The Dadalorian. That was number three. Number four, this is for Josh Bonaro. He is the king of uh, dad jokes, so uh, just to add to his collection. I thought that was a fun little gift, just these different ones. Uh, number five, I thought was cool. This would be for Don Dor, although he's uh, in Ishinomaki, but apparently there's companies where you can order a bouquet of sausages or meat. So... Who wouldn't want a bouquet of meat? I think, yes, that, uh, that sounds great. Um, number six, I thought of actually Josh Bonaro as well. He's kind of our handyman fix-it guy around here. And I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty ingenious, just a magnetic wristband thing for working out. Uh, number seven, I thought was just kind of cool, uh, if you're familiar with an older movie, but uh, it's just a simple apron. It just says, The Grill Father. Oh, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, number eight on our list, which is interesting, I've never seen this before, but apparently they make hot sauce for your coffee. And so they have different types of cinnamon or ginger or these different uh, spices, and you put it, you know, kind of a syrup for your coffee, but more on the hot sauce side. All right, some people perked up like, all right, that's going on the list. You got a couple days. Uh, number nine, I thought this was fun. It's, uh, anybody here play, uh, what's that called, cornhole? Yeah. Right? There's a tabletop version, a little flicker one, and you can just, you know, portable, take with you. 
I thought that was fun. And then if, if you're completely stuck, here's, my, here's number 10 for you. This is uh, easy go-to. You can just always get a Visa gift card, you know, just so. Thank God for gift cards. So. Anyways, well, uh, hopefully that's encouraging to you. We may or may not be good gift givers, but here in James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, James tells us very plainly who is. And he tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. So in our time this morning, we're going to consider these two verses. We will unpack them, uh, each of them, and consider what it might have meant, of course, for the original audience that James is writing to, and what was he intending for them to know. And then as we read it today, what, what does the Holy Spirit want to speak to our hearts today? What, what, what does it mean for us today? Now, I'll tell you this ahead of time. James will bring us to some application in the verses that follow. But for our time this morning, before we, before we get to his application, we'll park here and ponder what it means for us. And I'm going to offer some application uh, for us as well. So, verse 17, I draw your attention back to just that first part. We read, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, if you have been studying with us, it may seem that James is uh, bouncing around from topic to topic, from subject to subject, talking about trials, then wisdom, then temptation, and now he's talking about gifts. I want to suggest to you that his thoughts are connected. It's important for us to remember the context of these two verses and the thoughts that preceded beforehand, and of course then the application that proceeds afterwards. See, I suggest to you that James wants to solidify for the reader, for them originally, for us now, the loving and giving nature of God. And it seems in context that James is addressing a concern, perhaps even a question, that some of the believers may have had while going through temptations, while going through trials. Sometimes we can wonder, does God even care about me as I'm going through this? If God can really help me in this situation? Or sometimes we even wonder what God wants us to, to fail or to fall. That somehow God is against us and he's set us up and now I'm going through these circumstances. James told us in the previous verses that, no, listen, God absolutely cares for you. God absolutely loves you. God is for us. He's entirely holy. He is the creator of all that is good. That there's no darkness in him at all. There's no evil intent in the Lord. He isn't setting you or me up to stumble and to sin. And so when the question arises, when we go through hard times and difficult things, we get bad news. Or something's going on in our hearts. Even when terrible things happen, 
when we hit those bumps in life, God isn't trying to rattle you to get you to unravel. And James told us, listen, if you, if you don't get that, if it's still cloudy for you, you can pray and ask God to show you, to give us wisdom to see these things and to understand the heart of God. Because the reality is sometimes we do get upset. We do get frustrated. And sometimes we think, oh, God's, God's where are you? You've left me alone. You've left me to to fall or to trip up. And so in context, James wants us to grasp this very important truth, to understand this, that when we, when we understand the person of God, the nature of God, the character of God, His goodness, His love, His kindness, His grace, that when we grasp that well, we will then understand you know, the, the intent then of the things that come our way, the purpose for the trials, the, the purpose for his gifts. This is what James is telling us here in 17 and 18, that God will always act according to his nature, and his nature is good. As that saying goes, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And that's really taken out of James 7, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 17 here. And so that's why he told us previously in verse 16, don't be deceived then. Don't make the mistake to think that your troubles are some type of trap that God has set for you. That when we go through the rough stuff, we find ourselves, even when we find ourselves tempted to do wrong, tempted to sin, tempted to, to stray from the Lord, don't think that God set that up, that God wants you to fail or somehow God doesn't love you anymore. James is saying, no, God always is good and God always loves you. And because of it's his character, it will manifest then in the things that he does in our lives. It will manifest in the things that he gives to you. Because God wants what's best for you. That is his nature. Jesus already told us this back in Matthew chapter 7. He asks a question to the crowd. It's a little bit of a rhetorical question. It's getting them to think about the nature of God. He says, which one of you... If you have a, a child and they, and they ask you for some bread, they're like, hey, can I have some melon pond, some panduce? Which one of you will give him a rock? Well, maybe some of us prankster dads, maybe, right? He says, or if they, he asks you for, for fish, can we go to Hamazushi? He says, which one will you give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, the idea is that we're, we're not 100% holy, we're not pure like the Lord is, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, even two Christmases in a row, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, if you're familiar with those, that verse and the cross-references, you know that Jesus is specifically talking about 
the Father sending the Holy Spirit to indwell you know, believers after Jesus returns to heaven. But I suggest to you that it has a broader application, that the totality of Scripture describes God as a giver of good things. In Ephesians 1.3, that every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, God gives to us. In Acts chapter 17, Paul says that God gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. In fact, Paul even ups the ante when he writes to the believers in Rome. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says, God, who did not spare his own son, who gave Jesus to you and to me, who gave him up for all of us, will he not also give graciously to you all things? There are on occasions where I will walk into my office after a Sunday or during the weekday and open the door, and uh, to my delightful surprise, there's a gift sitting on my desk or on my table. There's a bag, it's wrapped sometimes, and, and some very thoughtful person either bought or made me something, and it's very humbling, super thankful. And oftentimes, uh, I don't know who it is. It's just a bag of goodies, and it just says Pastor Rick written on it. So sometimes I have to play detective, like, who was here, you know, and finding out. And so I want to be able to say thank you. Christy and the kids will see it, and they'll say, ooh, it's cookies, or oh, it's brownies. And I'll say, no, it says Pastor Rick right here. That's <laughs> doesn't say, and family, doesn't, you know, doesn't say Christy. I want to honor the giver of the gift. It's just for me. You know. <laughs> Sometimes I just don't know. The, the giver of the goodies, the giver of the gift, has chosen to remain anonymous. James tells us plainly the source of every good gift and every perfect gift. It comes from above. It's from the Lord. God is the giver of every good thing in your life. God is the source of every good thing in your life. You don't have to guess. You don't have to play detective. You don't have to do handwriting analysis or look at videotape, you know, security tape to figure out who was here, what was going on. We know plainly. We don't have to say, oh, I thank my lucky stars, or the planets were aligned for me today, or man, I was so lucky. No, you were blessed. You were blessed. God blessed you. Oh, God, God might have used that person, that situation, your job, or whatever it may be, but God was the source of that. Now, if that is the case, Again, James will bring us to some application, but I want to offer some just here. What do we do in light of this truth? What should our response be? If God is the giver of every good and perfect thing, what should that do for us? What should that do inside of us? Here's what I want to offer outside of what James writes for us. Number one, it should humble us. There should be an element of, of humility for us, that we can be humble. 
Paul asks the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, what, what do you have actually that you really didn't receive? They consider everything in your life, your job, your family, the clothes on your back, the roof over your head, the food in your fridge, the friendships that you have, the blessing that we have to live here in Okinawa. Paul says, what do you actually have that you did not receive? And he adds this, then, and if you then receive it, why do you boast as, as though you didn't? As though the idea was that you earned it somehow, that you made that for yourself somehow. John the Baptist agrees. John 3, 27, it says, a person cannot receive it one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. And so we understand just where the source of all good things come from, every perfect gift, and what should it do in our hearts? Well, it should humble us. We wouldn't walk around with a sense of entitlement or my rights, I deserve, to walk in humility. Number two, we should, we should honor then the giver, the giver of the gifts, and resist the urge just to worship or overemphasize the gift in itself. See, sometimes the danger of gifts is that we can become enamored more with the gift than the person who gave it. And that's just true in general of our interactions together, but certainly true of the Lord. Paul writes a warning again to those who in Rome, in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, he talks about how they worshiped the creation. They resisted the truth, they suppressed the truth about God as creator, and they worshiped creation. Even for believers, 1 Corinthians, Paul warns them about an overemphasis even in the gifts of the Spirit. It's interesting to me that he calls that church carnal. They're very gifted, but they're very carnal. Sometimes we associate giftedness with maturity, but Scripture would teach us otherwise. Paul, in fact, says, you know, your gifts really don't even amount to anything unless you actually have love. And so we have to be careful. We want to honor the giver of the gifts. Certainly be grateful and humble for whatever is the Lord gave you in your life, but let's not make an overemphasis of that. Because when it happens with the Lord, it's the beginning of idolatry. Right? Idolatry is worshiping or adoring or giving value to anything more than God. And guess what? We can even idolize good things. We can idolize even things that God has given to us for us to be blessed by, for us to enjoy. The danger is we can make that our an idol. We can begin to make that you know, the source of our adoration, the source of our identity, the source of our worship. And so we don't want to forget the giver and worship the gift. Number three, maybe I should have led with this one, should be understood, we should be thankful. Just thankful. 
Give thanks to the person, the situation, be thankful for it, and certainly be thankful to God. The antidote to idolatry and the antidote to a sense of entitlement is cultivating a heart of gratitude. A genuine heart of gratitude. See, it, it, it rightly orders our love. Gratitude rightly orders our, our affections. And when we keep them in line to the Lord, Jesus then remains and stays as the most important priority in our lives more than the blessings that he gives. Oh, this isn't in my notes, so I need to just let Yoko know I'm going to trail off. I just had a thought. Some of you know, uh, and thank you for praying for my family. Really blessed this gift of time with Nehemiah and Becca who got to come back. And with Nehemiah, he already had his residency card, so we trust that all right, he was... Be- able to come back. With Rebecca, she didn't. And so we had to apply, because of COVID, several times uh, for an exemption. She used to have a residency card. It expired during COVID. Last year, we tried. They initially said, yeah, no problem. But some of you remember she, when she initially came, they said, no, you got to get back on the plane and head back. It created a lot of stress for our family, but we were grateful she got six days to come. So we're very grateful for that gift of time. Oh, why am I bringing this up? I got off track. <laughs> it's not good for me. Oh, I think I, I think I got it. When we had applied, we weren't sure what the answer was going to be. And so I wanted to determine in my own heart that I was going to praise the Lord and thank God regardless of the outcome. And so even if immigration came back and said no, uh, even if the visa that we applied for was denied, whatever the circumstances, before the answer, and it was hard for me. I'm like, Lord... I want to be able to genuinely say, praise the Lord. Thank you, God, regardless if it's yes or if it's no. To acknowledge the giver more than the gift. And, and so, in one sense, this is what James is reminding us of, that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And I'll get to this point in a moment where sometimes it may not be necessarily what we expected. But we can enjoy God's good gifts. We want to make sure that we don't neglect or forget the source of them. There are times where someone will be the agent, right? God God will use a person in your life to be his hands and feet to bless you. And, And it's appropriate. We certainly want to thank them. We certainly want to acknowledge them, give honor where honor is due, appreciate their their thoughtfulness their kindness, their generosity, their love coming from them. But as followers of Christ, we also, on top of saying thank you to the person, being grateful for their kindness, 
understand that the source of that love, the source of that kindness, the source of that gift, it, it's God. God is, in a sense, using them to flow his blessings to you. And so we get, we get a double blessing. We get to say thank you to the person or persons, and we get to say thank you to the Lord. Number four, again, application that James doesn't offer, I just think the totality of Scripture would bring us here, is that we, we then can respond in like. That as God is generous with us, and as people then are agents of that, we receive every good and perfect gift that God then intends for us to be a blessing to others. He blesses you so that you and me can be a blessing to others, so that we can be generous. Right after the believers are urged to praise God for his gifts in Hebrews chapter 13, they are, we are encouraged. Verse 16, Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect then to do good, and to share what you have with others. For such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And so God's generosity towards us hopefully would be a catalyst, a spur that we would then be generous to others. Jesus says, freely you've received, so let's freely give, Matthew 10. And as we seek then to be generous, we can take great comfort in the wonderful fact, and many of you have discovered this, right? You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. So every good and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. In this verse, there are two different Greek words that are used for the word gift. In my Bible, it's translated in English just gift and gift. Good gift and perfect gift. But in the original Greek, it's a different word. In the first phrase, that good gift, it's the word that's used for gift is the word dosis. And the emphasis of that word actually is focused more on the act of giving than the gift in itself. That God loves then to give. That's the idea. Now, sadly, there are some occasions where people can give gifts, but they have an ulterior motive. There's a string attached, or they do it with reluctancy because someone's forcing them to. It's not really in their heart to. They're, just, they're being made to. They have to. Sometimes, at least for me, my, my kids are like that. You know, share that. Give them half, reluctantly, you know, one brother giving to the other. Why? Because our nature is sinful. There's sometimes where we give things with the hope of getting things. Sometimes we're giving something with the idea maybe that we can manipulate the situation or we can manipulate the person. Oh, I, that was a tactic I use as a parent often. Just be quiet. I'll give you $5 if I can just have silence. You know. How many of you, or how many of us, I should say, have, have bought a gift for your spouse 
but really, it was for you as well. <laughs> Look, sometimes we have ulterior motives. Sometimes we're getting things because, oh, we're, you know, we, we're trying to appease somebody. We're in the doghouse, and so, okay, I'm going to go get this. And James tells us there is no ulterior motive to God's giving because there's nothing shady about God's character. That's the idea. He's the father of lights. He dwells in perfect life. light. There's no variation. There's no shadow. There's no shadiness to the Lord. There's no variation of God. There's no good mood God and bad mood God. When I was younger, I'd learned not to ask my dad for anything when he was in a bad mood. Because I already knew, automatically he'd just say no, even if it was a good thing. And so I, I waited. I would time it like, oh, I'd kind of read the air, like my dad's in a good mood. This is the time to ask. Or at least sometimes with my dad when he was super tired because he wouldn't remember anything anyways. But Sometimes we, we're strategic. We've got to wait till somebody's in a good mood. There's a variation of them. There's bad mood them and there's good mood them. My sons have learned uh, over the years to send in their sister to try to butter me up. So she becomes the spokesman for the brothers and asking for things. And sadly, it often works too. So there. Okay, listen, we, we don't need to wait for God to be in a good mood. We don't need to try to butter God up. Oh, Lord, look how good I was this week. Can I have this good thing? No good thing God will withhold from you. There's no variation of the Lord. There's no shadow of the Lord. James tells us he dwells in the brilliance of light. His intentions are not hidden. His intentions of giving are not hidden. Again, sometimes ours are. In fact, James is going to come back to this from a different angle later on in, in, uh, in chapter 4 where he's going to talk about how we, how we ask for things. That sometimes, uh, even though God is a giver of good things, sometimes what we're asking for, we're not asking with good motives. We're asking with ulterior motives. We're asking for selfish reasons. James will say, listen, you can come and you ask. Sometimes you don't have because you haven't even asked. But make sure your intention is right. Make sure your motive is right. But with the Lord, there's no darkness at all, he says. God doesn't bait and switch us. And again, that's very important for us, even as believers, to understand that when you and I came to faith through Jesus Christ, by God's grace and faith alone, it isn't as though God said, here's the ticket to get in, and now that you're part of my family, here's now this list of legal rules and rituals now you have to follow. And sometimes we, we make that mistake to think, well, grace just got me in the door, and now I have to then follow the Lord with all these other things. No, listen, it's still grace. When God bestows his gifts, his motives will always stem from his perfect character. 
Again, I think it's our human nature because our motives can have ulterior motives, strings attached. We can project that on the Lord. We become, you know, skeptical sometimes. Like, Lord, are you setting me up? What's going on here? You ever met someone who's trying to offer you something and, and you knew that just something's not right? Like your spiritual spidey senses are starting to tingle. You're like, this guy's shady. This person, my kids, they use the word sus. This person's sus. <laughs> I think it means suspect. James wants to assure us God's intentions are not suspect. They are good. Everything. The Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, of God, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good. Thoughts of peace. Not of evil, but thoughts to give you a future and a hope. The psalmist asks, or he says, your eyes saw my substance, Lord, being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. He goes on to say in Psalm 139, 16 and 17, How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God! How great is the sum of them! See, even God's intentions for the gift that he gives you are good intentions, good motives. So good gift, that's the idea of the giving of it. And then perfect gift, that's a different word in the Greek. It's the word dorema. And it refers to the actual gift. It's anything tangible. It's anything of substance. It's the, the thing that, that God gives to a person. And he calls it then good gift and perfect gift. Now we give those descriptors... We'll call something good or perfect generally if it benefits the recipient, if it benefits us. And James, again, in this one verse is saying, God-given gifts will always benefit you. They will always be good. You think about the things that the Lord has given us. Sometimes we, well, I, I'll speak for myself. I can take it for granted. And so this week I was just, trying to cultivate a heart of humility and gratitude. Lord, thank you for the gift of time. I think every Sunday we're praying for a different family that's PCSing. And it's hard. It's hard. But I want to focus on what we're losing but to focus in on, Lord, thank you for the gift of the time that we've had with these people, however short or however long. Lord, thank you for the gift of friendship, the gift that we're able to cultivate relationships here together, and ones that for, for many of us, many of you, we, we've been able to maintain and foster over time and distance and multiple deployments and praying you back, so grateful. 
Even as we prayed earlier, we're grateful for the rain, thankful for the breath of life, thankful for the gift of life, thankful for, for the freedoms that we have, thankful that travel starting to open back up. It's a lot of things. Maybe this morning you're like, Lord, thank you for this cup of coffee. And there are a lot of many good gifts that we get to enjoy, and spiritual gifts too, that God describes and gives us in 1 Corinthians. That word perfect, it, it means complete. It means lacking nothing. It's coming from the Lord who intends every good thing for you. And the idea then of perfect, see, we, again, we tend to evaluate perfect as it means, as it fits then our desires or our wants. Maybe someone's given you something, you're like, this is perfect. How did you know? Like, well, because you put it on the Amazon wish list, you know. <laughs> but for the Lord, when James says his gifts are perfect, it's not necessarily because they match what we desire or what we want. See, God's gifts are perfect because it'll accomplish what he wants. They're perfect because it accomplishes what He intends to do in your life. That God knows your needs even better than you and I know our needs. And along with that then, we were challenged to have to accept and learn that there'll be times where what God gives to you in His evaluation is a perfect gift but in your evaluation, you would say, no, Lord, I would not choose that for myself. I wouldn't choose this place, this situation. I don't know that I'd call that a gift. Can I give it back to you? Because there are times even when what the Lord gives to you may confuse you or disappoint you initially. When God says no, when God denies something, or when God says, not right now, because when that happens, what happens to us is that we can think, oh, there must be some mistake. That wasn't really meant for me, Lord. I didn't ask for that. That wasn't in my Amazon wish list, Lord. I didn't want this particular thing, this trial, this trouble. And yet the Lord's evaluation is, it's perfect for you. It will accomplish what I want to do in your life. Many of us, when we were kids, there are times where our parents bought us presents like socks and underwear. I don't know about you, but I remember like I was not happy with receiving socks as a gift. I wanted toys and Legos and remote control cars, or you know, I just wanted something else, not clothes. But they knew what we needed, and sometimes it wasn't what we wanted. And as parents today, we sometimes do the same thing. So God's gifts will always prove to be what you need. They'll always prove to be perfect, even if it isn't what you necessarily want in the moment. 
even if we don't realize it initially. Some years ago, I don't remember the time I, I, I wanted to try to figure it out when, but it's been a number of years. We, we had a young man in our fellowship at our church, his family and him. He was uh, high schooler at the time, actually middle school and high school. Through that whole season of his uh, schooling, he was with us, graduated, uh, moved stateside, and he married his high school sweetheart. Some of you might remember Vince Hogue and Rebecca. And so they moved stateside. They end up going to college. And on the way to Rebecca's graduation at Liberty University, uh, they were driving. It was Vince and Rebecca and Rebecca's sister. And they had a terrible accident. Uh, Vince and Rebecca's sister survived, but sadly, Rebecca did not. And so at the... Um, at the accident site, they you know, did an investigation, and authorities suspect that Rebecca had simply had fallen asleep. They were trying to get, make good time. I think they were driving from North Carolina and going to Virginia, and she's going to her graduation from Liberty. And it was also very sad. In fact, uh, Alex, Pastor Alex and Jess, very good friends with Vince and Rebecca, um, Alex and Vince were best of buds. Their families were really close. They live here in Okinawa. And we, we as a church family knew them and loved them. Uh, actually, the night of the accident, Vince called and I got to talk and pray with him. So fast forward some years later, Vince was here and he served with us in the summer as an intern. And, and he... Uh, agreed to basically an interview to share part of his testimony with us on a Wednesday night, a special Wednesday night service. And so in that testimony time, I just had prompted some questions to help him. And so I asked him what he believed about God in the time that had passed since uh, the accident and all that the Lord had been working in his heart. And his, his response floored me. Vince said, he didn't realize it then, but he come to see that, that all of it was a good gift that God had given him. And I, and I wasn't expecting the answer. That the time that he had with Rebecca, short, but he knew that she was in heaven, the strength and the comfort and the peace that God gave him that day and the family, how it brought their families together, even in the darkest of days. And, and Vince just simply said, God gave me a gift. It just like, took the wind out of me. This young man gone through a nightmare. It challenged me. You know, when things come our way that appear not to be good at first, we can trust the purposes behind it because we know the character of God. And that's what James is trying to tell us. 
in those situations when you and I don't receive what we longed for, what we prayed for, what we hoped for, what we planned for, what we dreamed about. James is saying when, when hard things come your way, so we can take comfort even in his opening words. He brings great clarity and power in these anchoring truths that God cannot be anything but good. And anything from him then will always be good. And even if our first evaluation of it is like, Lord, this isn't good, God promises he'll work it out for good. And it will be perfect for us according to his perfect purposes because his nature is perfect and his nature is good. And so that's why Paul assures his readers as James reminds his as well, Paul tells us, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. And so every good and every perfect gift is from above. comes from God. The Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or variation, or excuse me, no variation or shadow of turning. And then verse 18 he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Again, it seems like, James, where are you going? You're just kind of jumping from subject to subject. How does this have to do with every good and perfect gift? How does this have to do with us asking for wisdom and going through trials and avoiding temptation? Well, it ties back to the nature of God. James completes the thought that God is good, God's intentions are good, God's motives are good, and the example of one of the greatest good gifts that God has ever given us, life, <laughs> eternal life. God gave us new life. He gives us the greatest example. You want the greatest example of every good and perfect gift that God gives to you? The fact that he brought us forth by the word of truth that you and I have salvation in the name of Christ in whom there's no other name given under heaven in which we must be saved, the Bible says. He anchors us to this essential truth. Again, something easy to take for granted at times. But it is one that we can hold on to, especially in the middle of our trials that you belong to the Lord. That God brought us forth or gave us birth, that's the idea, by his own will. And even that little line means something. It means that God wanted to. That God wanted you. We live in a world increasingly where there are people telling our kids and telling us, you came from the goo. Right? The goo, then the zoo, then you. That we're just some cosmic mistake. The Bible tells us quite the opposite. No, we are, in, we are made with a purpose, on purpose. Listen, to me, it's, it's no wonder, sad, but no wonder then, when we turn on the news and we watch these horrible things, 
where people act what we would call inhumane, ungodly, unkind, these evil things that take place, unchained, like wild animals. And then people shriek back in horror, oh, look at that. And they want to point to all of the, all of the symptoms And what happens? We live in a a time where then society tries to legislate morality. Let's create more laws. Well, because more laws are going to somehow, uh, all of a sudden, the the criminal, the lawbreakers be like, oh, there's one more, so maybe I should stop. Listen, if if we reject the truth that God created us in His image that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, that God created you on purpose of his own will, that that's his desire, and then we tell our kids, your life ultimately has no purpose, then yes, we should absolutely expect more evil. Verse 18 just tells us the plain truth. God wanted you. You're no accident. God cares about us from the beginning. In the beginning, God, when he first spoke creation, Genesis tells us into being, God made a declaration of his creation that it was good. When it was all done, he said, it was very good. He placed Adam and Eve into this garden. And he said, enjoy the good. Here's the gift that I give you. But part of that gift also was their ability to choose. Right, we're not robots. We get to choose love. We get to choose to heed or not to heed. And we read that our first parents chose to disobey. So sin entered and corrupted God's good creation. And so God sent forth his son into his creation, into this world. The Bible says to reverse the curse and redeem his creation. God voluntarily saved us of his own desire. We are spiritually birthed by the word of truth. It's the gospel. In all believers... As Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, are saved by God's gift of grace. By God's gift of grace. It's through faith in Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And he adds this interesting thought that we then might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In the Old Testament, first fruit was the the first portion of the harvest. It was given freely to the Lord as an offering to say thank you to God. And so James is telling us as we close, as first fruits, God's chosen us. 
and we get then to be, if you will, a, a free offering to the Lord. We have a special place in His created order. And so it's as though James kind of closed with the thought of what more, what, of what, this is what I'm trying to say. How much more evidence do you or I or we need that God is good? How much more evidence do we need that God is loving, that God desires the best for us than the fact that we've been saved, that we've been called His own, that we have a special place in all of His creation brought forth as first fruits? That no matter how dark or difficult, no matter how tough the circumstances are at any moment, nothing can change the fact that God is good. The good gift that He gives us in Jesus Christ. And that there are times where the thing that God brings to your life, we may look at it and think, Lord, I don't know how this fits, but God says, no, it's perfect. You may not have chosen it for you, but I'm going to choose it for you and it will be perfect for you. And we can trust the Lord because God is good. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. These two verses that are so rich in truth. Lord, we thank you. Help us to cultivate a humility. Forgive us, Lord, for wandering into a place of entitlement, of selfish expectation. Lord, help us to remember that you're the source of every good thing. We can be grateful for the many blessings that have come our way, grateful for the many people that you've used to be your hands and feet. But Lord, for us, it's blessing upon blessing. We get to say thank you to them, but also to know the source of it all, it's you. Lord, help us to respond in like kind that we too then would be generous. Lord, as we receive your blessings, help us then to be a blessing to others. Freely we have received, Lord, help us to freely give. And we thank you, God, as you know our needs even better than we know them. And at times you bring us or bring us into situations that we think how can this be good for us? But Lord, because you're good, we can trust you. That it will be a perfect gift, even if we don't realize it in the moment. And Lord, ultimately we thank you for the gift of life. The gift that our names are written in your book of life. We thank you for the gift, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ and our salvation. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. I pray that you have an amazing rest.